Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. My purpose on here is to help you see and act on the opportunities that commercial property brings, in particular the income streams that it can provide, which in turn will give you more choices in your life, whether that be lifestyle choices or helping others. Either way, it will give you more time and money, once you've put in some effort up front, of course, because nothing in life's for free. So for this episode, I'm going to answer a question I asked myself a long time ago. Is commercial property investing a park and hold strategy or can I really add value? The same as I did in residential. I did up properties, improved the overoffer and rented them out. I even built a new build to create value, which didn't really work, but that's another whole story. If you've listened to a few other episodes of the CPI podcast, then you know I haven't always been involved in commercial property. Like most, I started off with residential. Simple one and two bedroom buy-to-lets, refurbs, all that sort of stuff. Then I tried to work out how to get more scale and really improve our cash flow position. And in time, I did manage to do that, to make that transition over to commercial as it turned out. However, what I didn't realise was how much you can affect the value with your commercial investments. It isn't just a park and hold strategy. There are so many ways to add value, which in turn increases the speed of growth you can experience in your portfolio. If you want to build momentum and keep generating not necessarily cash flow, but value in your portfolio, then commercial can do that for you. The first and most important point here, though, is increasing the income. That really affects value. But there are other factors and strategies which affect overall value too, of an existing site that is. So I've divided this podcast up into two different parts. Firstly, ways to increase the overall rental income. And secondly, how to redefine the offer. In total, I've 16 ways in which you can influence the value of your commercial assets. Now you could find a project that actually allows you to do all of these. But I'm not sure that's going to be too easy to find, but definitely some of, more than one of these will be applicable to the developments you're looking at. So let's jump on to the increase overall rental income part. And sometimes you'll hear the phrase asset management, particularly from asset managers. It basically means tweaking and playing around with leases, lease lengths, tenant types, letting empty space that's currently vacant and reducing expenditure. These are ways that you can improve the overall performance of the asset. But I'm going to break that down a little bit, make it more um, relevant to us. So the first one is simply increasing the rent charged. Pretty basic, right? But it can be done if you have high occupancy and a contract in place that allows you to do this regularly. So if you've got a 25-year lease in place, it might be difficult to tweak the rent. However, 
you've got licenses in place that are maybe 12 months or six months or even two years, it gives you the flexibility to regularly adjust the rent. And interestingly, working with a student who recently bought a building, we could see the local market pricing was significantly higher than the current rents for the property. But the occupancy was 95% plus. The building was actually in a really good condition, so not much was required to redevelop it as such. It was just a rental adjustment that was needed whenever a new tenant came on board. Now, you could go in, of course, and try and put the rent up for everybody, but I don't think that's necessarily the right thing. It's certainly not in our DNA, but when somebody moves out, that's when we make those adjustments. And sure enough, over the last few months, as people have moved out, the rent has been able to be adjusted by about 50%, which is incredible. You can see how that would affect value. So if the previous owner has not recognised where the market price is now, that might be an opportunity for you. The second part, when you're looking at adding value through an acquisition of a property that's maybe already got some income streams, is tackling the P&L. This is, this is one of my favourites. So this is really about reducing the costs. So we, we've got a couple of examples. A building that we bought a while ago, the expenditure from the previous owner was 110,000 a year but the income was only 90 so the expenditure was out of control yes the occupancy was low but nevertheless it was enough that we could turn around the expenditure and turn around the overall net income from a minus to a positive just by tweaking the profit and loss, by tweaking the expenses. And recently, actually, another purchase we did was exactly the same. When we bought it, it had a net loss, but now there is a net income, and that's without any new occupants or changing any of the lease structures. It's basically about the expenditure, and can you tackle that? So the P&L one's really interesting, because what it means is you're trying to work on tweaking the expenditure and the income, I guess, but the expenditure on property without necessarily spending money on the property. And you can only really do this through getting the profit and loss, the balance sheet as well, I guess, for properties that you're trying to acquire. And this is where I say, you know, asking agents for buildings of partial income lines up with this type of analysis because it gives you a building that already has some income and expenditure and are there ways for you to improve that not necessarily as I say by bringing in new tenants just by tweaking what's been done and a great flag for me is if the property's been looked after by a managing agent because often they haven't got the focus that an owner would and their expenditure tends to be higher tends to be with national contracts in place with suppliers that are a bit more expensive than maybe some of the locals that would be that, that you could use so there's definitely ways of tweaking the value purely through tackling that profit and loss. So the third one is improve lettings, of course, and reduce voids. And as I said earlier on, that asset management phrase, that's part of it. You'll see particulars for commercial properties and it'll say, yes, there's incomes, £25,000, but there's asset management opportunities. And what that means is there's probably some voids. And if you can reduce those voids and improve the lettings through better management, then you're going to increase the overall net income on an annual basis. And of course, as I said earlier on, increasing the income affects the value. The fourth one I've got on the list here is make the building more visible. 
something that we've done on a number of occasions. Just cut down the vegetation, maybe remove some fencing that's maybe a bit obscuring and making it so it's more visible. Use some better signage. Just some basics. Now, these things in of themselves are not going to add value, but what they will do is increase that income. The fifth one was market the building better. Might be, again, down to signage, but also online. Is there any online presence right now? If you can improve the visibility of the building and improve the marketing of the building, then you should be able to tackle those voids and reduce them. So again, working with some students, it's not necessarily 100% occupied building they're buying. It might be one with a poor occupancy, but there's some clear indicators of things that you could improve. Improving the visibility, improving the marketing. And the next one, the sixth one, is getting really good at viewings. If it's a managing agent, they don't necessarily know the back story and they're not necessarily in a good position to negotiate. Now, sometimes they will be, of course, but I've found that when you get really good at viewings, and we covered some of that last week in the previous episode, then you can really get to grips with what customers are looking for and adapt your offer to suit. And that's not always something an agent can actually do because they don't have all the cards. They don't understand the full plan that you're working on. So these viewings, they need to be well thought out and planned ahead. But in doing that, it can really pay dividends and reduce those voids, again, improving value. So the seventh one is research the market to get the modern offer spot on. So you might find the building that you're acquiring or looking at isn't really set up with the right offer for the current market. Now, I know I'm going to go into that in the second part of this list, but it's not necessarily spends a lot of money on the offer. It's just tweaking how it's positioned for the market. The eighth one is modernise, make it more appealing. Are there things and bits of kit in there, some perhaps um, air conditioning, perhaps some furniture, some fixtures and fittings around reception and communal areas that actually just need improved? Maybe they need painting, maybe they need new carpets. Make it more appealing. Again, this is to reduce the voids. The ninth one is improve the exterior of the building, both landscaping, and the building facade, sometimes you might have to spend some money on the facade, even though it's difficult to get a direct connection with that and income, but it will make a big difference. Even from the point of view of this building is now visible to people when they're driving past, whereas it might just have blended in in the background. And now with this change of a facade or change of colour, suddenly the building's more visible again. And then the last one on that first section, is about the branding of the space. Now, I'm not really one for creating a brand that sits there and and everything's about the brand, but maybe there's something you can make a bit more appealing to represent that building in a slightly different way. So, for instance, does the site have any history? Is there something there you can lean on from the past that will allow you to brand the space in a more personalised way? Sometimes buildings just haven't or owners, sorry, just haven't taken the time to work out how to position the offer or the building better. And one of the key things there is the brand, or at least the um, the name even of the building or the space. So that's really important, that one. And it's something you can go in and make a change on pretty quickly. So all of these things we've done and all of these things you can do on properties that are existing that you're thinking about purchasing. So, and they will all increase the turnover, or they should do. 
which will, of course, increase the value. And that was one of the things that that was kind of my light bulb moment back at the start when we bought our first commercial was we had it revalued because we were looking at a second building and the valuation came back and it was so much higher than I expected. And when I look back now, it's pretty naive. But the reason why it was so much higher was because it was directly correlated to the cash flow or the income that I'd been working on for a period of time. I just didn't realise it had such an effect on value. So the second part here is about redefining the offer. So this is a bit more broad. So for instance, popular one, you can add value by changing the use, the planning use. And a real buzz right now is commercial to residential, and rightly so. But it's not the only planning game possible. You could, for instance, get retail or leisure use, which can significantly uplift value as well. For instance, let's say you've got a bit of raw land. It's maybe in a class four area for Scotland. Um, Wherever you are in the world, there'll be different classifications, of course. But it may not be a retail classification or a um, leisure classification. But if you can get that planning changed to maybe a Starbucks drive through, then that's significantly going to increase the income for that bit of ground, of course. But the value through uh, the bit which I'm going to come on to next, which is the next, which is the covenant, but also just through the income. Another example could be change of use to service accommodation business. Now, that's not, as I say, it's not necessarily a strategy that is just um, passive. It's definitely an active strategy. But nevertheless, changing to service accommodation trading business could really significantly increase the income, which will increase the value. Or right now, interestingly, there are those that are changing retail back down the scale on the the listings to industrial. It's becoming quite regular in the States, I've noticed, where out-of-town shopping malls are not doing well, but there's such significant demand in industrial that in some locations it's possible to get a conversion to industrial, which is significantly increasing the value, getting occupants, and the yield rates on industrial is so low right now, whereas the yield rates on retail are quite high, which means the, the actual valuation is lower. So those are some examples of changing the use. Commercial to resi is definitely one that's talked about a lot right now. Not always as possible as people think. And, and it does frustrate me sometimes where people look at commercial property purely with a strategy of converting it to residential. And yes, if you can do it, it can significantly increase the value. Maybe not the income, but significantly increase the value. However, before you do that, just check the market to see whether you can adapt the offer to suit a commercial rental. It doesn't have to go to residential for it to be a really good deal. So just make sure you do that plan B or C before you necessarily jump straight into do residential. So I just mentioned it. Briefly there, the 12th one is adding a significant covenant. So what does that mean? Well, this is all about the tenant. So if you think about it, with residential, if you've got a row of terraced houses and one of them sells for £100,000, it's quite unlikely if the one next door, which is absolutely the same, will sell for much more than £110,000. There's a ceiling which is defined by the sales of the properties in the surrounding area. However, with commercial, that connection is much weaker. So you could have two buildings right next door to each other, which are totally different in price. One of them is vacant, no income. You'll have a vacant possession value. The one next door might have a high street brand in it on a 10-year lease. 
and the price will be so different. So, what does that mean to you? Well, maybe you can find a vacant property, get a, an option on it. You don't have to necessarily commit to it, but get an option on it from the current landlord if they're struggling. Find, if, if you already have connections with, but find a high street brand that wants that particular type of property and put the two together and bang, you've really significantly improved the value. You can exercise your option, buy the property, move the tenant in, either enjoy the income or flip it on. The 13th one was reducing unit sizes. This is one that I love to do, of course. It's taking on a bigger property with, a, I guess, a floor plate for one or two occupants and dividing it up, reducing the unit sizes. So it's redefining the offer. It's going from having um, a large company taking 5, 10, 15,000 square feet and reducing it down to those smaller units with multiple tenants and multiple income streams. And for me... That doesn't necessarily mean um, that I'm, I'm going to be dealing with lots and lots of more customers and that's a pain. The key thing for me with that is that if somebody leaves, I don't have 100% void. Plus, if the market is saturated with loads and loads of empty space, but they're all big spaces, then we have to redefine the offer to try and get it filled. And sometimes that's by reducing the size of the units. Retail is a good sector to think about as an example on this one. If you've got a huge retail unit and the, like, the occupier's gone bust and now it's gone back out to market, the business rates or the local government taxes are really high, it's very difficult to relet because there's not many companies, the smaller number of companies now really, looking at taking on those size of units. But there is a surge in demand from local businesses. So it's about creating space that suits where the demand is, not necessarily where the demand was. Part of that redefining the offer is also one of the things that we're definitely doing more of and I really enjoy is, is redefining the product mix. So what do I mean by that? Well, there's, there's obviously the contract. So there's the lease or licenses. So are you changing your offer from perhaps a five or 10 year lease that was there before with the previous owner down to flexible licenses, as an example? Or indeed, a more of a managed lease, not a full repairing insuring lease. Are you changing the size of space, which we just spoke about, or different uses rather than just, for instance, office space or just industrial? More of a blend. And we have customers who then use a number of different combinations. So, for instance, they might use storage or a workshop space from us, but they also have an office area for office or clerical work, and the two work together really well, whereas they may the only alternative for them may have been a larger industrial unit with office space attached. But with our offer, they can get a mix. So basically, we're talking about mixed use rather than single use. And as our strategy develops, we want to do more and more of that product mix, that mixed use development. Apart from anything else, it makes the property more sticky so customers stay around because it's more difficult for them to find a property that has that same variety, stickiness. Um, and especially if you're including retail or leisure, there's also that whole thing about lifestyle as well. All of that blends together. So redefining the product mix can really help with the value because what you're doing is you're, you're spreading the risk across different sectors. You may be able to cross sell and you're improving the stickiness. You might even want to put some residential in with that mix. That's 
top to bottom, everything that they need. They never need to leave. <laughs> but it is an interesting concept and it's something we're definitely developing as we go along. Each of our buildings are getting more and more varied in the things that you can do in them. So the 15th one is a, a pretty obvious one, really. I've left it kind of near to the end, but add additional space. You could build new. For me, I've rarely have I built anything new. And in fact, it's only in residential. And in commercial, all I've done is built extensions. I've not built a new property because I find it really difficult in the offer that we have to justify a brand new building when I can buy one next door at a third of the price or even less. So that's, that, that's a little bit to do with my strategy. doesn't necessarily have to be yours. There's absolutely nothing wrong with building new. There's lots of benefits of doing it, and that's why it's on the list. So it might be taking raw piece of land or indeed a defunct building that just is not suit for pur- suitable for purpose at all anymore, and you need to knock it down and build new for what the current market is requesting. And that's absolutely fine. That's redefining the offer. And then the last one, which we work on a lot is increasing the net square footage. That's the the space that's available to rent, but this doesn't mean building more. It just means reworking what's there. Inefficiencies are really commonplace with ill thought out property layouts, or at least property layouts that suited a, a use in the past that don't necessarily suit a use in the future. So for instance, is there lots of corridor spaces or too many toilets? Are these things in the wrong locations? Are they taking up window space? I've mentioned a few of these things before, but if you can reduce the overall dead space effectively and increase the net lettable space, then that's really going to help add value to the building. And you could make use of space which has not been income producing before, such as a lounge or communal reception space where you could now maybe start charging for memberships. That's what we've started doing. So we have spaces where traditionally might have just been part of the offer for everybody else. It's a reception area, but we've enhanced it, developed it a little bit bigger, to be fair, so it has taken more space, and offered memberships. It's an income stream from a space that didn't necessarily produce income before. Or it could be the raw land, and not necessarily building new, but you could maybe have parking on there. I'm not saying you charge your existing tenants, but maybe somebody else would pay for that. Or, as we've done in a number of sites, you add storage, container storage, great business. (laughs) That is a way of adding, I guess, increasing your net square footage, but in a much easier and more manageable way. So I hope those have helped. As I say, there's two different sections, but really there's so much you can do with commercial. It's such a creative space, but let's just give you some of those parameters again. The first one is just simply increasing the rent. Just working out this property that you've just bought wasn't actually achieving market rent. It was charging too little. Maybe the occupancy was really good, but the previous owner didn't know about the actual market rental. And then add value by tackling the profit and loss, not spending any more money, just reducing expenditure, which can improve the value and the income on a property without even adding in new occupants. The third one, though, is that improving lettings and reducing voids through better management. The fourth is make it more visible. Fifth, market the building better online. The sixth one was get really good at viewings, both as learning exercises of what people are looking for, but also doing good follow-up, thinking through what you're doing before, researching the customer and making space that suits them, making the building um, irresistible for them. The seventh one is research the market to get the modern offer spot on. 
That's by continually looking at what is fully occupied out there, what isn't occupied, all that stuff that I've covered before on the commercial market analyzer. So you can just work out where those sweet spots are and then adapt your building to suit that. The eighth one was modernize, of course, just make it more appealing. The ninth was improve the exterior appearance, both building facades and landscaping. And think about maybe branding the space. That was the tenth one. So then the second part is more about the overall offer. You can add value by changing the use. You could add value by adding a significant covenant. So it might be a high street brand. It might be a well-known large multinational company. And it might be a longer lease. Those things will add to the covenant. They reduce the risk. Therefore, somebody who would buy that property is willing to pay higher because there's less risk for them. Whereas if they had maybe an unknown brand who only has one shop in the local area, taking retail as an example, then the covenant is not considered to be too strong. So that's something to think about. That's a strategy all in itself. Finding those high street brands or those multinationals that want locations and then going out and finding the locations for them, getting them on an option, and then trying to tie up both ends of that deal. The 13th one was reducing unit sizes, which we do all the time. 14th is redefining the product mix, not just license, leases, or offer, and sizes of spaces, but actually the blend of uses that you have in there. Industrial, office, some leisure maybe, storage, workshops, all that lovely stuff. Improve the stickiness and the offer there. The 15th was add additional space, build new. The last one was increase the net square footage, but not necessarily by building, just by making the building more efficient. Using common spaces, communal spaces that you maybe could actually charge for membership or just letting out ground and land. So I hope those have helped. And thank you so much for tuning in, of course. And a big thank you to Jim McIntosh for his recent review on iTunes. I really appreciate you taking time to put fingers to keyboard and leave such a great leave such great feedback. Thanks, Jim. Really appreciate it. And don't forget, if you want to build a commercial portfolio all of your own, our next commercial mastermind program is kicking off on the 27th of January next year. Really, trust me, it's not that far away now. You'll get lots of knowledge, inspiration and peer-to-peer learning from the nine-month programme. If you find yourself starting and stopping a lot, then we also provide some accountability so that you see it through this time. And if you're interested, there is an application process and I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes for more info and the application itself. And I'm excited to say we already have a number of individuals committed to joining us and it's shaping up to be really quite an interesting and diverse group with lots of different backgrounds so it's going to really um, make it interesting and lots of people to learn from it has been fantastic working with the current mastermind team i've had such a great time and lots of commercial deals have been done which has been really exciting and the current program will be coming to an end very soon there's a graduation in a few weeks time which is exciting too but it won't end there i'm sure some will be staying on to continue their journey with us on our more advanced program but there you go So, enough of the public announcements. Make sure you get out there and get some consistent effort focused on your commercial strategies. And I look forward to chatting to you very soon on the next episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. 